in a four-part series that we're closing out called The Conflict. And yeah, and so my goal was to take our church just a little deeper in the things of God, mature them a little bit. So we're talking about mature uh, things here today, spiritual things. And so if that makes you uncomfortable, I love you. Come back in a couple weeks and we'll talk some other stuff. But this week, we're finishing up the series called The Conflict. Everybody say conflict. And we started this series by identifying, you know, after that... that, uh, we had those rash of folks going into universities and shooting people. The question on everybody's mind was, what would possess a person to do that? That's the right question. What did possess them? What was at work and at play in that moment? And so I began to teach our church on spiritual things, about the, that there are two entities at war with each other right now on the earth today. There is the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, the headship being Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of the demonic powers and and devil forces by way of Satan himself. You say, oh, I don't know if I believe in that. Well, if you believe in the Bible, then you're going to have to believe in it because that's what the Bible teaches us. In fact, Jesus said it like this, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, or the kingdom of God literally is being forcefully pushed against by this kingdom of wickedness. But godly forceful men and women or radical men and women take the kingdom of God and push it forward against the kingdom of darkness. The, two, the conflicts between the two entities, it's not between de, de, uh, Democrats and Republicans. It's not between black, white, Hispanic, Latino, uh, uh, Asian, whatever. That's not where the conflict's at. The conflict is that, that there are two entities at war with each other. When Jesus came to the earth, he heightened that, that situation because he said, I came literally to stir up what the enemy has been trying to do to humanity and to bring deliverance and all that's going to do is drive the kingdom of darkness insane. And so I'm not a guy who gets all spiritual about everything, like casting the devil out of the lights because they didn't turn on. But I do understand clearly through Scripture that there are forces of evil at work against us. The Bible says it like this, that Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy, and that he's at work against each and every one of us. And according to Scripture, a third of the angels in heaven revolted against God the Father, went with Satan, and literally were cast down to the earth or to the realm in which we live and exist. There are three realms that we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's the third realm or the third heaven. As Paul said, I know a man who was brought to the third heaven. The third heaven is where the king, the throne of God is at. The God's throne is there. It's the heaven that we talk about. Oh, I want to see heaven one day. That's the throne of God. Then there's a second heaven or a second realm, which we don't really see into that much, but it's a spiritual realm, as you've heard other people talk about, right around in the, uh, the realm in which we live in, the first heaven or the natural realm, the natural realm where we can see and talk and we're experienced together, but you, some of you that are spiritually astute know that there is a second realm or a second heaven in which demons and angels are clashing, and we went through scripture and we showed how these things were happening we went line by line, I didn't make up my own doctrine, I went out of the scripture, and we saw that there is this conflict, everybody say conflict, conflict. And I challenge you the first, uh, the first week of this, uh, of this teaching that you and I must make a decision whether we're going to engage in this conflict or not. But no matter what you do, you're going to be affected by it. You either need to get on God's side or get on the devil's side. But standing in between is causing you, causing you to go insane. And literally, when people are looking, uh, when people are walking in the schools and blowing people away, you say, what, what possessed them? Yep. I tell you what possessed them. 
The kingdom of darkness began to work against their mind. Demonic forces began to speak things into their mind and cause them to do something that's inappropriate. Are you there? Say yes. And so then we went from there and talked about uh, in our second, our second part of our series, our second week, on literally how to defend ourselves against the kingdom of darkness. We talked about what the scripture says, to put on the whole armor of God, to literally prepare for battle. Not one of these gentlemen who went and played basketball last night went basically to war against the opposing team, forgot to put their shoes on. They put, their, they put the right, they prepared. Not one of them went in there going, boy, I hope I don't get pushed a little bit. Not one of them said, boy, I hope that I don't, I don't have to sweat a little bit. They went into the conflict knowing that it was going to be a battle. Are you with me? Say yes. Yeah. And it's foolish for you and me to go through life and wondering why bad things are happening. Because there's an enemy that hates you and is trying to destroy you. And his kingdom business is at work. And so what happened is over the last 6,000 years plus, the kingdom of darkness has been establishing its processes and systems. And that's why when the Bible says, and be not like the world, what it's talking about is not like other people, because God doesn't hate the people. It's the world's systems that he says is darkness, because they, the enemy set up systems and governmental systems that are flawed. Why? Because the enemy got in there and twisted humanity to do this. And next thing you know, you've got things like people. People being uh, being mistreated and mishandled. You got slavery. You got murder. You got these things. Why these systems that have been allowed and put in place? Why? Because the system of the enemy was able to reign and rule. And then when Jesus came, he reestablished his kingdom on earth. And you and I are supposed to be his delegates and his representatives, and if you will, his warriors. Come on, Come somebody on. say yes. And so we talked about the difference in the way we do war and the way humanity does war. We talked about we don't fight against flesh and blood. The Bible says my my problem's not my coworker. He's not the guy that I. I need to somehow, you know, make him disappear, zap. What we need to do is fight the forces of evil that are forced, that are pushing him and shoving him to treat me the way he's treating me. Are you with yeah. me? Say yes. Yeah. And then we talked about last week about the, uh, the offensive that we need to go on, that literally when you and I uh, uh, wake up every day, we put on the full arm of God, then what we need to do is take the word and begin to apply it to the situations, and we need to attack the kingdom of, of darkness. And today we're going to talk about weaponry and doing what Jesus did to close it out. This is one of my most exciting pieces because it has a, 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 my heart and transition of my life. It, it's going to be all wrapped into this message. And so with that being said, let's go straight to Bujo, Thibodeau, and Abair. So they were sitting around. Bujo, Thibodeau, and Abair were sitting around one afternoon. They were enjoying a little crawfish boil. And the conversation turned to what it would be like to have what people would say about them if they had died. And Abair says, me? I tell you what, I like to hear everybody saying that while I'm lying in my casket, that I was a great doctor and that I was a good family man. Thibodeau said, hmm. He said, me, I like to hear them say that I was good to people, that I helped children, I was a good teacher. Bujo sat there for a moment. He said, hmm. I tell you what I like to hear somebody say, hey, look, he's moving. That's what I like to hear him say right there. We're going to talk about the supernatural and the things that, uh, as we see in Scripture, that you and I can walk in and move in. With that being said, we have a key Scripture. Are you ready? Open your Bibles. Turn them on. And uh, if you forgot your Bible, it will be on the screen. So our key Scripture today is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. Again, I apologize uh, if you're new to Christianity or you're young in your faith. Uh, I apologize that I may be trying to push you further than you're ready to be pushed. But doggone it, either I raise you up now or you're going to die later. So let's go on and get about it. Verse 4 of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They're not the same weapons. 
So in other words, when you hear some of these militant YouTube preacher people who talk about, you know, we need to rise up and store up guns and go fight the military, that's not at all scripturally accurate. Somebody say amen. Amen. It says, the weapons that we fight with are not like everybody else. In other words, before I was a Christian, I fought like the world fought. In other words, I networked with anybody I could network so I could get ahead of you, and I would lie, cheat, and steal, come on somebody, so that I could get ahead. Those weapons don't work in kingdom business, kingdom God business. In fact, our weapons are so powerful, they have the ability, they are divinely powerful. Everybody say divinely powerful. And so they have the ability to destroy or demolish strongholds. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, I believe it is. Let me see. I might have skipped that. Yeah. In chapter 13, Paul is on his first missionary journey, also called Saul. And Paul's on his first missionary journey, and he ends up, you know, there at Paphos. And he's out there preaching, and it gets stirred up. People are getting saved. Miracles are happening. And the governor, or the proconsul of that area, gets interested in what Paul and those guys are doing, so he calls them in. Well, the proconsul, he has this assistant. He has this guide, this aide, if you will. They called him Bar-Jesus or Elemis. are the two names that they use right here in this passage in chapter 13 of Acts. And Elemis is this um, witchcraft guy. He's into all kinds of stuff. He claims to be a Christian, but he's into mysticism. And he's into all these different things and talking to angels and all this kind of stuff. And so Paul gets brought into the proconsuls, uh, into his inner court. And he starts interacting with him. He's preaching the gospel. And uh, in the midst of preaching the gospel to him, Elemis or Bar-Jesus... This witchcraft guy gets ticked off, gets frustrated. The demons are stirring in him, and he starts trying to steal the attention and trying to interrupt this whole thing so that the proconsul won't accept Jesus. This is a story out of Scripture. And then we pick up right here in verse 9. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil. Now, I know you've never told your kids that. You are, well, maybe this morning on the way, and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. I just think that's how we ought to say it. Trickery. Will you, ne- will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind. And for a time, you will be unable to see the light of sun. Everybody say divine power. So Paul's in the middle of preaching this guy, and, sir, and then what happened was Jesus died, and he resurrected. And then, we, and then all of a sudden, all the believers were together, and the Holy Spirit came down. They all began to speak with other tongues, and miracles have been happening. And then I had this road to Damascus experience. God spoke to me out of heaven. I was blind for a couple days, and, it was, and Elemas is interrupted. No, hold on, I'm telling him this. And, and so then what happened? And, and Elemas is over there, you know, whatever he's doing, is trying to distract. And, and finally, Paul takes it, all he can take it, and he says, look. You're a child of the devil, full of trickery. He said, you know what? You're going to be blind. Can you imagine? Wouldn't you like to do that with your coworker? You're trying to bring a presentation to the boss, and your coworker keeps interrupting, trying to make himself look good. You are the child of the devil. You're going to be blind. I can't find the coffee pot. You know, and so this guy's... And then the proconsul believes in Jesus. Everybody say divine power. Divine power. So the weapons that we have have divine power. We're going to talk about the weaponry a little bit today. And then it goes on in that verse and it says to demolish strongholds. Look at that up on the screen. To demolish strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Strongholds. Demolish strongholds. Here's the problem. The church has whittled itself down to nothing more than having services and trying to get people to come and be nice to them so that, so that they'll keep coming and pay for the buildings. That's not at all what the New Testament church was like. 
That's not all Christianity is supposed to be. How miserable of a life to just try not to be bad. I'm just going to church. I'm trying not to be bad. Not trying to have sex with all the girls. I'm trying not to smoke dope. Ooh, it smells so good. I mean, I, uh, how dumb of a life is that he never intended that. That's dead religion. What he wanted us to do was have power and the excitement. Anybody who plays sports or being out in any kind of warfare, the excitement is not in defense. The excitement is scoring on the enemy. And so Jesus, as Paul looks at this guy, he literally, and the guy's blind. And what he does is he demolishes this stronghold. This man had a stronghold over the pro-council. The pro-council was open to the gospel. But this little aide, this little guy was literally a stronghold trying to keep him in darkness, into the kingdom of darkness. And here comes the kingdom of life. Here comes Paul, a representation of, uh, uh, for the kingdom business. And he comes in, and this guy's waving over the, pro, over the little demon guy. Saying, I want to know. I want to know about God. But the demon guy's in the way. And so what does Paul do? He doesn't kick him in the face. He doesn't body slam him and say, oh, I want to talk to this guy. What does he do? He says, in the name of Jesus, you are holding back. And he demolishes the stronghold that kept God's power from moving in this other man's life. This is the excitement of the kingdom business. Jamie and I have been married for a couple years, and um, we couldn't have kids. The doctors told us, you're not going to be able to have children. And it shook us. Some of you have had that report. It shook us. What do you do now? So everything we had planned and the life that we had kind of laid out in our mind and what we were hoping to do is now interrupted. It's adjusted. It's going to look different. So we really didn't know what to do about it. And we were in church. We were youth pastors at the time at a big church in Louisiana. And everybody prayed for us and all. Nothing, nothing. Went like that for four, almost five years. And there was this revival meeting in Florida. Everybody's like, oh, you got to go. It's amazing. People are getting touched by God. It's phenomenal. So I loaded up some young people, and we went, and we stood out in line for eight hours in the sun. No overhang. I mean, listen, all my little white kids were burnt to a crisp. All my little black guys were like, dude, what you doing? You're killing me. I'm getting all ashy, Pastor. You got any lotion, you know? And we're just having issues, you know? And we're standing out there for eight hours. I was thinking, man, it better be good. They throw open the doors. We're the first group in. We come running in, and the entire sanctuary is full because they've let all the VIPs through on the side door. I'm ticked. I'm like you. I'm high justice. That ain't fair. Now, if you were going to do that, you should have told me we would have went to the beach and at least had some sunscreen on us and we would have went out to eat and not worry about your little revival meet. And so we get the last row of the balcony. You know the old school churches with the balconies way up here where you can't see nothing? And so, man, they're doing worship and I'm like this. They're worship. They worship for an hour and a half, two hours. I'm just like, y'all want to go? And they're like, yeah, pastor, this sucks. I'm like, I know, right? So let's just wait a little bit for the preach, and then we'll go. And so the guy gets up. He starts preaching. He's splitting. And I'm like this. And all of a sudden, he stops, and he points our direction. He just stops. Hey, if you need a healing, you just need to take it. And my wife goes, "Mm." I looked at her. I said, you okay? She goes, I'm healed. And being the man of faith and power for the hour that I was at that moment, I was like, we'll see. Two months later, we conceived. We went full term, and Cohen Michael McCain is the result of that miracle. I'm going to explain something to you. When that man stopped what he was doing, he wasn't even preaching on that. And he stopped by way of just being obedient to God. And he just 
probably had a sense, you know, and he, and he just by divine power said, hey, if you need a healing, just take it. And what happened was that demolished a stronghold that the doctors told me we weren't going to have kids. And my wife received it. I didn't receive it yet. I still was like, uh, all preachers are just taking your money. Everybody just hip hopping around and just come miracles. I don't see no miracles here. And revival, ain't no revival when you stand outside and sweating and burning to death outside. There ain't no miracles here. But in that moment, in that moment of God doing that because this man was obedient. Look what he did. It literally invaded the enemy's camp in my life. And had he not done that, I would not be here. You would not be here. Supernatural things would not have happened in my life to get me here, to get you here. It would all have been missed because one person was obedient and said, wait a minute. God says, take a miracle. And we did. And because of it, it destroyed or demolished Strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? What an enemy does is literally they camp out and they fortify themselves in a spot that's considered a stronghold. And what's happened to you and me all throughout our lives is we got strongholds. Some of you don't believe in tithing because you were worked, you went to a church where the guy stole the money, so now you have a stronghold. You went to a, you went to a meeting where they pushed you down, pushed you down, so now you don't believe in the power of God. You have strongholds. And literally what needs to happen is God's got to release his power through somebody else to you to demolish that stronghold. And we see in Scripture that he handed out gifts to do the very thing that we're talking about. So ministry, and it's not about anything other than you and I being used by God to demolish strongholds in people's lives. That's all ministry really is. So instead of getting a website and starting a traveling ministry or building something, why don't you and I just allow God to use us to destroy strongholds? That really is all the gifts are about. And so as we do that, let's dive into the gifts for just a moment. Are you still there? Yeah. Say yes. yes. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11, is where Jesus, uh, where, where the Bible teaches us the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings. So when the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you because you became a Christian, he brought gifts. Everybody say gifts. Yes. Now, Christmas is coming up. You're going to get gifts, and, and you're going to get those gifts, and hopefully, you know, they're gifts that you enjoy. Well, the Holy Spirit came in our life, and he didn't expect us to just barely make it. He brought gifts, or weapons, as some has, have called it, power gifts, or power weapons. And it help us and aid us as we go through this life to destroy strongholds, to push back the gates of hell, to forward the gospel, and push back all the forces of evil that are fighting against us. Are you there? Say yes. yes. The great conflict has the ability for you and I to be successful in if we'll use the weapons. When I was young in, 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 uh, in ministry and, and all these cool new video games were coming out and all the young people were playing and they wanted to play me, you know, and early on I could beat you in Street Fighter. Come on, Pac-Man, that's my era. And then they came out with this game. They put them all over TVs and next thing I know we're playing 007. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right, Goldeneye. And I would get to play, and they were like, Pastor Adam, come play with us. And we'd go to the big screen, and there'd be the four, you know, the four quadrants. And, uh, and I was like, where am I at? They're like, you're the one down there. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm running around, and every time my screen is going red. It's like, dude, what's up? And then I'm dead. I'm like, dude, who's shooting me? And they're all like. <laughs> and, and if you remember 007, you had a PP7. That's what you started with. And so I would sneak up behind somebody, and I could see them on my screen, and they're crouching out. They don't see me coming. And I pop, pop, pop. And then all of a sudden, on their, they would turn around, and boom, I would be dead. I was like, hey, y'all are cheating. And they're all laughing. <laughs> I'm like, what's the deal? And finally, some gracious, nerdy kid helped me out. He said, Pastor, here's the problem. You're, you're just using the little pistol, the PP7. He said, why don't you use the grenade launchers and all that? I was like, what grenade launchers? 
He said, and the bazookas, like, what bazookas? He's like, you don't see them all on the ground? I was like, yeah, but I step on them and then they go away. I don't know where they go. He goes, you got them. You just have to activate them. I was like, what? I, what how do you do that? And he started showing me the buttons. I was like, oh, it's on now. It's on. I was just blowing up every, I was blowing up myself. I was just blowing up stuff. It was so much fun. You know, that's how Christianity is supposed to be lived with the power weapons at work in your life. I mean, how fun is it to see the supernatural things change people's lives, change our lives? That's what it's supposed to be about, be about. But unfortunately, people have mishandled those gifts. Unfortunately, people have mistaught those gifts. Unfortunately, people have used it for their own self-glory uh, and their own self-fulfillment. Come on, somebody. Instead of simply being used to destroy, de- demolish strongholds in other people's lives so that we can love them and help them grow in God. Come on, somebody. Ah, I'll never forget how God has used me time and time again. There was a lady here just a couple weeks ago, and she said, uh, she came up after service, and we were talking, and, uh, and her daughter-in-law was here with her, and she said, you know what, hey, pray for my, my mother-in-law, she's got, you know, got some bad reports physically, and she said some, some she, she fell down and hit her head, and she's got some damage. I said, sure, I'll pray for her, I started praying for her, and all of a sudden, as I was praying for her, I had it, I saw it, I saw her laying in bed, and I heard her, I heard the enemy, the devil say, you're going to, for, forever, you're going to be bedridden, you're never going to come out of this. And I said, ma'am, I don't know you, and I'm not like this, like, prophet guy. I said, but I saw you laying in bed, and I heard the enemy saying to you that you're going to be like this forever. You're going to be destined to be bedridden. She started shaking. Oh, my God, how did you know that? Uh, Because I'm like the man. (laughs) No, I I was like, ma'am, I don't really I'm glad I got one right. (laughs) But it was amazing. What that did in that moment was it demolished the stronghold of fear, doubt, and unbelief that she was under. Are you with me? Say yes. She was under that. She's fighting that in her mind. And God spoke through me to give her that word. It was a word of knowledge. So let's dive into the, the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8 through 11. I'm going to read it fast and then we'll break down the nine gifts of the spirit that we see here laid out. It says, to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, to the same spirit, and to another faith by the same spirit, to another gift of healing in one spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing spirits and speaking in different kinds of tongues, still another interpretation of tongue. And all these are the works of the same spirit and it gives us each one according to which he determines. Got to get you out a little earlier. Last week, that guy preached way too long. So it starts, first off, with the word of wisdom or the message of wisdom. And let me identify that for you. That can be defined as having wise counsel in regard to a specific circumstance. Some of you have this gift active in your life. You don't even know it. A word of wisdom, what that means is you're sitting with somebody, and they're pouring out their heart, and all of a sudden, you just say, look, I really feel like you ought to do this. And they go, OMG, how did you? that's what I need to do. It's this wisdom that you don't even possess. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been sitting there. People like people come into your office, and they'll sit down at your little cubicle. <laughs> I'm going through this. I, I don't know. I don't want to kill him. I think I'm going to cut his body up in little bitty parts and put it through the food grinder. I just can't live with it. And then all of a sudden, you start, before you know it, you're like, oh, my goodness. And you start sharing. And all of a sudden, you start feeling this wisdom come out of you. And they're going, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Thank you. Thank, I'm not going to kill him now. Thank you so much. And this wisdom came out of you. Where did it come from? It's a gift from the Lord. It's called the word of wisdom. It's powerful. It's wonderful. And you need to understand, you just demolished a stronghold as you begin to operate that gift in people's lives. Are you there? Say yes. All right, number two, the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge. And it can be defined as knowing something about a person or their past without having been told for the purpose of bringing forgiveness and healing to the situation. 
It's a word of knowledge. I've had that happen many times in my life. Many, many times I'll be praying for somebody and I'll just get a word of knowledge. I'll get a, a message of knowledge. I'll just see something. I'll see something from their past. I'll never forget praying for this gal and there's a bunch of ladies helping me, people around. I was accountable. I wasn't praying in the back room or something, just around the altar area, about, uh, about 100 people in the room. And I pray for it. And all of a sudden I, got the, I saw this picture. I saw it. I said, I said, sweetheart, I see. I see you seven years old, a man named Tom coming into your bedroom. I think he's your uncle. And he sexually assaults you. This woman, this young lady, now about 17, 18 years old, starts weeping uncontrollably. Pastor came up to me afterwards and said, you know what? We've not been able to help this gal. She has slept with everybody in our city. And the moment I gave her that word of knowledge, it demolished that stronghold. She was free from this thing that happened. God brought healing and forgiveness to her. And the last I knew, she was living for God all, ever since. And I think she even got happily married and has kids today. Yeah. Listen to me. The power of the gifts of God being activated to help other people. We're talking about the conflict. And we're talking about the weapons that we possess as believers. I'm sorry if maybe you were miscommunicated in other churches. And they, they heighten these things to make them for the superhero people who pray more than everybody else. That's not the case. Nowhere in Scripture does it qualify that those who are closer to God can use the gifts. He's poured out according to each one's needs. That's what it says right here. He's poured them out. We all can walk in the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead dwells in us as believers. What Jesus, the word says it like this, greater works than these, what Jesus did, shall we do. When you and I begin to activate these gifts and we start using them, they'll start demolishing strongholds and it will invigorate you to see the enemy retreating instead of advancing against your life. I have learned this. Anytime the enemy tempts my flesh and gets me all full of sin and stupid and I give in to it and I respond to him, you know what I do? I start activate the gifts and go find somebody to minister to. I really do. I just start little fires every <laughs> Go deal with that. That's kind, of, that's kind of my attitude. We'll go to the next one. So that was the message, uh, the word of knowledge or the message of knowledge. Uh, number three is the gift of faith. And it can be defined as having extreme ability to trust God for him to accomplish things outside of the realm of human possibility. I worked with a pastor, Pastor Gary Simons, when I moved here. He had the gift of faith. I'd never seen anything like it. I, I had the gift of practicality. He had the gift of faith. I think his gift of faith got him in a lot more trouble. And my practicality almost caused me not to do anything for God. But it was amazing. We would get in a meeting or a gathering, and he and I would get to interacting, and he would start speaking in faith. I'm not talking about the faith that it takes to be a Christian. I'm not talking about faith to trust God. I'm talking about a whole other level, supernatural level. And when I got around him, I would be talking, Pastor, I don't think we should do that. And before I know it, 10 minutes into him, I'm like, we can do it. Yeah. Somebody maybe called you an encourager. You've always been that person that causes people to, to stiffen their spine and go do great things for God. That's probably because you got the gift of faith on your life. You literally can stir faith in others, demolishing fear, doubt, and unbelief because you use that gift, activating faith in them as well. Are you with me? Say yes. Beautiful gift. That's very powerful. Let's go to the next one. We've got to keep moving fast. And that is the gift of healing. Everybody say amen. And that can be defined as the ability to pray for the sick, diseased, demonized, mentally ill to be healed, and they supernaturally recover. To pray for those who need a healing, and they supernaturally, the gift of healing. It's a magnificent to see this gift at work. And here's the problem that I have found. 
I, I'm so frustrated with charismatic Pentecostal people because the moment someone starts moving in their gifts, we elevate them to some kind of superhero status. Yep. That's the foolish thing. Why do we do that? The Bible says it like this, the gifts and callings are irrevocable. In other words, I have seen people who were full of wickedness get people healed. Is it, oh, that can't be, yeah, because God gave gifts and he doesn't take them back. So, so I've known people literally get drunk out of their mind, go out on stage and literally move in supernatural healing. Say, pastor, how can that be? Because the gifts, according to Romans, are irrevocable. He doesn't take them away. They just, they, those people know how to activate their gift from God. And then they, that's why you see people demonically influence people taking their God-given gift and activating them for the cause of Satan. And we're going to see more of that in the days of head. We're going to see a lot more of that. If, 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 you, if you have good eschatology and you study the end times, you're going to see it prophesies that we'll have a lot of that. And so what will happen is, is we then elevate these guys because they move, especially in the gift of healing. And before you know it, we're, we're making giant broadcasts out of it and, and, and everything, you know, and they're sitting there, you know, that's amazing. Tell me what happened to your sister. And I got to heal. Is that right? Amen. Hallelujah. Pick it back up. Pick it back up. Pick it back up. What happened? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all my lost friends are like, oh my God, what is that? Why? And, and, and that's not to criticize a, a particular person's way of doing things. I'm just simply saying, why did we elevate that all of us can walk in healing and move in healing? Why, why did we? That's a gift for all of us to, to operate. And why do we elevate that person and say, oh, I, I know those people. Those people are just as messed up as you and me. I mean, they're messed up. I know them. I promise you. Like, I'm always like, man, I can't believe. I, let, let me tell you what I found. If I'm really sick, you know who I get to pray for me? Those kids in there. Yep. I'm serious. Jesus, I just thank you. And Pastor Adam, you just, the, all the devils that are inside him, you have them come out. And then uh, he would stop being so loud and going so long on service. Uh, what else we should? Uh, and, oh, and he'll, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's awesome. I'm sitting here. <laughs> Why? Because there's no pretension. There, there's no about them. They're just kids. And I love that. I mean, listen, why do, we, why do we create these atmospheres? And lost people are like, dude, that's weird. That's messed up. I'm with them going, I know, bro, that's messed up. I don't know, I don't know what to tell you about that. Why do we do that? And then why do we make excuses? And the reason why is because people have these gifts that God's given them. And just because he don't take them away. Now, I will say this to you. He may not take the gift away, but the Bible says, whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Oh, God will have his day. And that person will give an account for what they've done, manipulative, and judge. And some of you, again, you have strongholds now because you saw inappropriate behavior with people using gifts. And even me talking about this is making you good. What are you going to say? I know what I've, I've seen. Mm-hmm. And so literally what I've been praying all week long is that those strongholds would be demolished so that you can start bringing healing to people. So you can start moving in words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healing, gifts of faith. All right, let's go to the next one. You still there? Say yes. yes. I'm moving fast. I'm doing my best. I love you. And then the next one is uh, miraculous powers. And that can be defined as the ability to perform feats outside of the realm of human abilities through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that mean? Okay, so Jesus is in the boat. Hurricane Katrina comes up. And he says, stop. <laughs> All right, I'm going back to sleep. Y'all go ahead. That's a miraculous power. He, he takes the hurricane and stops it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know like, about you, but I'd like to see that a lot more in my life. I'd love to just 
I just, I, you know, I used to serve a little sweet lady named Mom Lindsay, Frida Lindsay, Christ for the Nations. And they tell a story of her where the tornado was coming at the campus, and she didn't have any money to fix all the damage that they say were in its wake. And she stood out on her little balcony, and she said, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to come here. You're not going to destroy this property. I don't want you. I'm not going to allow you. I lose the angels of God around this house. Command you to go away in Jesus' name. And that thing split, went two around them, came back together on the other side of the property and kept going. That's called miraculous powers. Listen, an entire generation is in love with the whole miraculous concept. Look at every one of your TV shows right now. Heroes Reborn. Uh, you know, everybody's into, you know, the super vampire werewolf people thingies. All your shows right now on primetime are about powers. <laughs> it's all about that. Every movie, the only movies that make money now are what? Hero movies. Why? Because there's something stirring in the spirit room. Because God is trying not only to get the Christian's attention to move in the power that he has laid out for us, because he's trying to make us aware that the forces of evil are stirring the same things. They're happening all over again. Just give you a little bit of hint on that. Let's go to the next one. And so the next one is uh, distinguishing between, uh, excuse me, prophecy. I almost skipped that. And that can be defined as speaking through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a specific word of encouragement or instruction to an individual or to a congregation. I'm going to keep moving. The gift of distinguishing between spirits can be defined as supernatural ability to know what demonic spirits are control, controlling a person, group, or geographical area. Uh, uh, this gift is a powerful gift. I love it. It's the, it's the ability to distinguish spirits or um, understanding what's happening, that a person's being controlled by a, a, a spirit like that. The problem that I have with people that have this gift is sometimes if they're not careful, they begin to use that gift to gossip and slander. Because, you know, oh, yeah, she got a, that's a, she got a, that's a Jezebel spirit on her. I know, right, girl? You can see that thing. Yeah, all she wants is the men up in here. I know. We just, but we just got to pray for her. Oh, my goodness. The problem is they told everybody else before they prayed for it, and that made it all the way back around to you, and now you're like, church ain't nothing but a bunch of hypocrites because you had a gift that you didn't know how to handle. It's kind of like giving a two-year-old, you know, a machine gun. None of us would ever do it, or a bazooka, or a grenade launcher. We'd never do that. And that's what's happened is sometimes people have used their gifts, but they weren't mature enough to how to handle them properly. We see in Scripture there are nine gifts of the Spirit. There are also nine fruits of the Spirit. The gifts should match the fruit. So prophecy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I have words of knowledge for people all the time. I don't always give them because it's not the right appropriate time. I'm patient with it. I'm waiting on it. I'm waiting on the Lord's timing on that. Because right now, if I do that, they're going to go, you're the greatest man of God ever. I don't know. He's the greatest ever. I'm just a servant. Yeah, I'm just doing my best and not mess it all up and be like him. And so what's happened is we, again, the humanity gets involved in these gifts, and we superhero them to status that they should never be at. And that's why you and me are going to like, well, I don't even want to do it then. Never mind. I'm good. I'm good. And so we got to break out of that because we need to help demolish strongholds. Because there are friends of ours that are addicted because cancer is a stronghold because little babies with heart murmurs that may not live through the operation this Thursday is a stronghold from the enemy because of a man that we reached out to for the last three years who blew his head off last night in suicide it was a stronghold even though the people that loved him kept reaching out to him and loving him there are strongholds that have to be demolished and we are those for which God has anointed to do it. And as long as you and I are so busy about just trying to play defense, 
we never push forward and break loose the kingdom of darkness and his strongholds continue in people's lives. That's why it's critical that you don't just receive this message, but you start activating the gifts of God in your life. Let's go to the next one. You still there? Say yes. Okay, the next one is uh, um, uh, speaking in tongues. And that can be defined as an ability to speak in another earthly language that you have never learned in order to share the gospel with someone or to present a message to a congregation that will be interpretive. Okay, interpretive. So, so there's a difference between speaking in tongues and praying in tongues. Two different Greek words. Let me help you for you guys that have come out of some different backgrounds denominationally. So speaking in tongues and praying in tongues, you know what the difference is? The audience. Speaking in tongues is for a general audience. Praying in tongues is for Jesus, for, for the Father. So when I pray in tongues, I'm praying to him. That's not for you. It doesn't need an interpretation. Speaking in tongues is when I'm addressing a crowd of people. And the Lord has me do that. And the big conflict in this whole thing we find in 1 Corinthians 14. In 1 Corinthians 14, we find the Corinthians are losing their mind. They're 30, 35, 40 years into, 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 the, uh, into the New Testament church, and they're having all these amazing spiritual sp- experiences, and now they lose their mind. And they're having congregational meetings like this, and people are standing up. La, la, ba, la, la, boondi, li, li, boo, 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 bee, 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 bee. And then someone else will jump up. Hey, 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 And somebody else will jump up. Hey, hey, And there's such confusion. Paul's like, you're crazy. What are you doing? He says, first and foremost, if you're going to speak out in tongues like that, there better doggone be an interpretation. Because nobody, if, if people come in, they don't know what you're doing. What are you doing? You're talking about God inspired you. Well, that's great and all, but there should be an interpretation so people can be, so they can understand it. And so if you read 1 Corinthians 14 out of that context, then you'll get so confused because Paul starts off, I thank God I pray in tongues more than you all pray in tongues. He said, but listen, I'd rather not speak in tongues and confuse everybody. I'd rather give an intelligent, prophetic word that everybody understands that will help demolish the stronghold that's holding them back. That's what he's talking about. And if you confuse, if you read it outside of that context, you're like, dude, is Paul like, is he lost his mind? I would rather not pray in tongues. I would rather not, I, I'd rather pray, I pray in tongues more than you all, but I'd rather not speak in tongues. And that's where the confusion is. He's bringing correction to what was happening in a congregational meeting. And when he does, he says, now let's put it in place. There should be no more than these prophetic utterances that come forth. No more than three of those suckers, and they better have an inter- interpretation. He's bringing it into context. And that's what the last one is, interpretation. Now, at the same time, there's a two-part fold that I've experienced, not only the congregational uh, speaking in tongues uh, that had a word attached to it from God and then an interpretation, but then as well, I have been in a situation where I um, spoke out in a language I did not know, and, uh, and it actually, someone come running up to me. I was in, I was in Mexico in the mountains in, uh, with, with the Indian tribes up in the, in the mountains, an unreached people group. There was about 1,000 people, and I was preaching. We had an altar call. Hundreds came down. We're praying for them, and I'm still praying for them. And I got the microphone. And before I know it, I think I'm just praying. I'm just praying in my prayer language. And I start praying. And all of a sudden, this woman come running from the back, very well dressed, very dignified lady. She said, "Listen, I have my doctorate degree um, in, in linguistics, uh, in Spanish linguistics, whatever it was." She said, "And I am doing research uh, on a people group." Uh, here amongst the Indians, the, uh, the, the um, Indians of Mexico. She said, and just, I, I've been studying this one particular language uh, that's almost a lost language that no one speaks anymore. And she said, dear sir, you just were speaking that language. And here's what you said. You were saying, oh God, please help these people. Oh God, bring miracles. And you were back and this is what you were saying. I was like, I was like, what do you do with that? Well, thank you. I mean, I don't know what to do with that. I had it, I've only had it one other time. I've had it twice. And that was, I was in Japan. 
and I'd been preaching all week and ministering all week, and I went to leave, and one of the leaders, uh, we, were in the, we were there in the, in the airport, and if you've ever been to Japan, they have no sense of personal space. They're like little ants. I mean, and I like it because it's the only place I'm taller than most everybody. So I'm like, yeah. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? That's right. I get to text and I'm like, dang, you guys are huge. And so I'm in the airport and this, this leader says, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I've got some crazy decisions to make. And so I start praying for them. And I get a prophetic word. I say, I feel like God's telling you to do this. And you could, you could see it on it. They're full of fear. I'm like, okay, whatever. All right, well, God bless you. And, and, and then as I go to walk away, I'm kind of being silly. And I'm going to do one of those, you know, old school charismatic, like, you know, I was going to do something funny like that. And so I do that, like that. And everybody in the whole place turned and looked at me. I was like, oh, snap, I just cursed in Japanese and I didn't know it. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm going down. <laughs> and, and, the, and the little leader goes, what did you say? I was like, uh, I don't know. It's like, you just said go for it in Japanese. That's a word from God for me. <laughs> I was like, well, hallelujah. <laughs> oh boy. Again, I don't know why I used all that. I just, it's awesome, it's cool, and it's great and all that. And I'm not going to make a doctrine out of it. All I know is this, is that he's given us gifts. And they're in us to destroy and demolish the strongholds. Look at this last passage, and we'll start closing out right here. We'll close out for the next six hours. Okay. All the new people are like, dang, we should have went to Catholic church. <laughs> Acts chapter 10, excuse me, uh, yeah, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Peter's preaching, he's talking about Jesus, and this is what he says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Jesus went around doing good, that's how he destroyed the works of the enemy. So all the, let's talk about the good things that Jesus did so that we can do the same thing that Jesus did. Let's talk about the good things. So... Well, he started an orphanage, right? What was the name of Jesus' orphanage? That's right. He didn't start an orphanage. Oh, but he did a food pantry. That's right. What was that called? Loaves and fishes. No. What? Wait a minute. He didn't start a food pantry. But he built a number of churches. Remember that? Remember that whole part of his life where we didn't know where he was at? That's because he was building churches, right? No. So what did Jesus go around doing good? I'm going to tell you what he did. As you go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find that what he did was every person he came in contact with, he destroyed the strongholds. He says, sweetheart, not only are you not married, but the man you're, you've been married five times, the man you're living with now is not your husband. She said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That dude just prophesied to me. Oh, my God. Y'all come meet a man. He the Messiah. I'm going to tell you right. And nobody knows all that. Oh, my Lord. He demolished a stronghold that was controlling her life. That's what going around doing good. Look what it says. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. With what? Holy Say it out loud. With what? Holy Spirit Holy and? Power. Power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of who? He went around. Doing good. Here's the problem. I'm not against, listen, I'm not against buildings. Obviously, we got one. I'm not against food pantries. We support them. I'm not against orphanages and things like that. But what good is it if we get all those kids and we teach them to read and write and we never get them free from the strongholds that are controlling them? What good is it to feed them for the day and they still have a poverty mentality that's controlling them because ever since they were a little boy, they were told you're worthless and you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be anybody but a drug head and a crackhead. What good is all that if we feed them and we never help Break the stronghold that's controlling them and causing them to live the life they're living. This is the problem. Is that most people 
want to create ministries, but they don't want to do ministry. Not so for this church. Not so for you. God puts you where you work for a reason. There's a stronghold that needs to be demolished. God's put you in the family unit that you're in. Because there's a stronghold. You single moms, single dads, there were strongholds that were pushing and shoving your ex-spouse, your ex-husband, your ex-wife. And they were pushing and shoving against what God was trying to do in you. And, and, and because you weren't at the spot yet where you knew how to demolish that strong, how you start prophesying, start praying over that thing and breaking that thing. Because of that, that thing was able to win out. But friend, let me tell you something. No more of that in our lives. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to give you four little quick ways. we got to go. Four quick ways how you can start activating that gift so that you and I can start being the people that God's called us to be. How to operate the power gifts. Number one, you've got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, what does that mean? When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came and lived and abided in you. As we look at Scripture, we see that there was also another experience where literally John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but there's one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fuego. Yes. With the fuego. With fire, with Holy Spirit and fire. And we see that this experience happens. If you go back and study it, study it outside of the doctrine that you grew up under. Study it outside of what everybody else told you. Go study it for yourself. Just study it for yourself. Either way, the bottom line is there is an empowerment. I see the work of the Holy Spirit's twofold as I see it in Scripture. Number one, it's to regenerate you. I, who was wicked, Adam McCain, who was wicked and full of the devil, I got saved. The Holy Spirit came inside of me, and he started regenerating me. Now I stopped cursing people. Now I stopped stealing from people. Now I stopped being a pervert. He's regenerating. Old things are passed away. He's making me new. But there's a second work that I see at work in, in, in me, and that is once I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, now he empowered me to overcome all the things that are tempting me, struggling against me, fighting against me, all the things that, uh, that, that, uh, uh, that I had no ability over. Now I have empowerment to overcome those things and be used as a power tool in the lives of so many others. That is the two works of the Holy Spirit. And many of you have been regenerated but haven't yet allowed yourself to be empowered. You say, well, ah, what do you mean by that? All right, for example, I get all the time, I get credit cards in the mail. That's great. And they tell me, oh, man, we're going to give you a $10,000 limit. And that credit card's of no value until I call up on the phone and I activate it. You have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, and all you need to do is activate it. He said, well, how do I go about doing it? Just get somebody to pray for you. Just pray for yourself. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have these, these uh, you know, old school Pentecostal charismatic experiences that you think are. God wants you to have his power to demolish the works of the enemy. And so I have faith and trust and patience in you that you're going to get to that spot when you're ready. And when you're ready, you're going to say, I'm tired of this. I'm activating this power. And I'm going to start pushing the devil back instead of him pushing me back. And once you start doing that. You'll start sensing that baptism of the Holy Spirit start stirring in you. And you start to get this experience where you're, you're literally being used by the Lord. It'll, you'll never be the same. Never be the same. Here's the second piece that I would, yeah, I know, right? So here's the second piece I encourage you, and that is the motivation for operating the power gifts is love for the hurting. This is where so many have made their mistake. Their motivation is about their own ministry. Their motivation is about... I was never anybody in high school. Here's my chance to be somebody in, in, in Christianity. Nobody would dance with me in the clubs, but here's my chance to be somebody in the church world. And we see the motivation is wrong. And so as a result, if the motivation is wrong, the outcome will be wrong. And the motivation is this. People are hurting, and they need help. And that's why we move into gifts. Not to say, hallelujah, brother, let me, come on, let me lay hands on you. Glory, you feel the fuego. No, some, some of the sweetest, I'm telling you, some of the most prophetic individuals who read my mail, little sweet little ladies that nobody's ever even heard of, rocked me to the world. 
Adam. I was in this meeting one time. I was preaching, and they all gathered around me after I had ministered and laid hands on them. Can we pray for you? I said, sure. And I was struggling with something. God had told me to give a car away, and I knew it was the devil. And so I was fighting with the Lord about it, and I just, no, because, you know, I grew up Poe. You that are new, there's a difference between poor and Poe. And only those who have been Poe know. And so what happened was, I was like, I finally got a car that works. I'm not giving it away. And the Lord was telling me, give it away, give it away. So I'm in this meeting. I've been praying for people. People are getting changed by God. And this little sweet lady said, can we pray for you? And she said, Adam, the Lord want me to tell you, you need to give a car away right now. I looked at this little lady. And she said, right now. He says, right now. I got my car. I started driving. I called my wife. I said, hey, we got to give this car away. She's like, uh, she's like, oh, I've been telling you. It's the Lord. I was like, listen, I need you to call them right now. She said, it's 11 o'clock at night. I said, call them right now. She said, they're going to be a I said, call them right now because if I get home, I'm going to change my mind. Right now, you need to call them. Tell them, come get the car. Because there ain't no way I'm going to make it all the way home and still do this. Here's the third thing that you need to do to activate these gifts. And that is you need to embrace humility. Thereby trusting the Lord. Some of you have been pray- you've known since you were a little girl that you were supposed to move in healing, but you never gotten anybody to heal because you're scared of looking like a fool. That's your problem. You need to embrace humility. The first time the Lord asked me to prophesy to a person I did not know was the most horrible moment of my life. Because a guy sat next down down next to me. We started a conversation, and he found out I was a Christian. He said, "Well, I." I I'm mad at God right now. And he turned his back on me. Well, there's not a whole lot of place to go in an airplane. As soon as he did, the Lord said to me, he's mad at me because he's a homosexual and he just found out he's HIV positive. And I want you to tell him. Well, you tell him. I don't want to tell him that. <laughs> tell him that God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Imagine if he looks at me like, Are you, what? Did you just call me? <laughs> I don't know that I know these things. Uh, hey, man. Uh, hmm, I think I know why you're mad at God. Really, why? I mean, he wasn't showing any signs. If you know how to profile people who are struggling with their sexuality, he wasn't showing any of those signs. Uh, oh. Oh. Um, that's, yes, I like a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> You got to get yourself pumped up. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, listen, I feel like God told me to tell you maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe, okay? I'm not like, I'm not a prophet. <sighs> maybe, just maybe. Maybe. Like, I probably don't know what I'm talking about. Let me just tell you what I think he told me. That you're And as a result, you just found out you're a prophet and you're mad at God. He's like, what did you say? <laughs> that you're... Um, <clears throat> homosexual, and, uh, and he leaned into me, and that you just found out you're HIV positive, and that's why you're mad at God. And he looked at me, and then tears started coming down his cheek. He's like, how did you know that? I said, well, I'm God's representative, brother. <laughs> you want some healing? Here it is. I got spirit fingers. Here they come. (laughs) Make myself laugh. 
he began to weep. Stronghold. Demolished. Not because I'm so anointed, so gifted. I'm just like you. You're just like me. Just because I faced the fear of being humiliated and being wrong. You say, well, Pastor, what if I pray for them and they don't get healed? What if they do? What if I say it and it's not God? Mm, what if it is? You know what I mean? What did Wayne Gretzky say? You miss 100% of the shots you never take. I have learned he's God. I'm an idiot. Just doing my best, bro. I'm trying to, I feel like he told me to tell you this if I'm wrong. God bless you. That's why I don't use thus saith the Lord. Thus saith. Look, if you say thus saith the Lord, it better doggone be God. Because I've had him say, thus saith the Lord, your baby's going to be a girl, and it ended up being a boy. Guess what that created? A stronghold in that family's mind. All prophecy is fake. All people who act, who use that, those gifts are fake. They're all liars and manipulators. Why did that happen? Because that person, you know, misrepresented the Lord. And we're all learning the gift, right? There you go. And the last and final piece, you ready? Here we go. 90s. Here we go, 90s. Just do it. Just do it. Just need to pray for people. Just need to minister to people. I know that's big revelation, right? You just need to let the gifts flow. Stand with me all across the room. You put your Bibles, your notebooks, your wife down. And we'll... I've been holding her this whole time. Listen, I, I'm very passionate about this, and, that, and you can tell. And the reason why I'm very passionate about it is because I've raised up a lot of men and women in the things of God. And I've watched a lot of them get bored with their life, get overwhelmed by the kingdom of darkness, lose their salvation, if you will. No one can steal it from them, but giving up on God, they did. And I just, I don't want to raise up a church that's like that. I want to raise up a church that's not always on the defensive. Listen, I, I can't, I love believing for miracles in your life. But I'd rather see you, instead of living your life on the defensive, to live your life on the offensive. You don't know the most exciting moment of your life is going to be when you prophesy to a lady in Walmart and she says to you, you don't know how that just changed my life. I didn't think God was real until you shared that. You don't know what it's going to do for your family, your destiny, when you finally lay hands on somebody at that hospital and say, look, I, I'm nobody special. I'm just, a, I'm just a believer. But I'm putting my hands on you. I'm just going to believe that God's going to heal you. And they get healed. You're not going to, you're not going to, you're just, it's unprecedented. Now, I want to take a moment. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're a believer in this place and you love the Lord, I want you to ask the Lord to baptize you afresh with his Holy Spirit. I want you to ask to activate those power gifts. Some of you haven't, you haven't, you know, you, you, I, I'm speaking Greek to you today. I, I, put, I downloaded like trying to drink from a fire hydrant, blowing your mind. But I want you just for a moment, just settle yourself. Say, Lord, I, I want to be used like that. I want the gifts to be active in my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed while... You're doing that. I want to talk to some other friends I have in the room. Maybe you find yourself in this room today and you're away from God. You say, Pastor, that was a great message. And I, I long to see the supernatural like that in my life. But, but honestly, I'm away from God. Maybe you call it separated. Maybe you call it divorced. You're just away from God. Maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe you said a little prayer when you were a kid, but you never really engaged into a relationship with the Lord. He's not your best friend. You don't really know him. Jesus is a word that you use when you're mad. Listen, today is a day of change for all of us. If you're in this place today and you're away from God, I won't embarrass you, I won't humiliate you, but I surely want to reintroduce you to him. I want, I, want to, I want to help you. I want to help you get on the right path, get off the path your own. Wide is the path that leads to destruction. And many there are that are upon it. But narrow is the path that leads to life and few therein. 
If you realize you're on the wrong highway and you need to get on the side road that leads to Jesus or leads to heaven through Jesus, this is your moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I'm away from God. Or maybe you say, I've never asked Jesus into my life. This is your moment. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. But I need you to have the courage to admit it. I need you to be honest with yourself and with the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you, if that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. Or I've never been a Christian, but today I want to come to the Lord. With no one looking around, would you be courageous enough to admit that by lifting your hand and saying, that's me, Pastor. Pray for me. I need to be right with the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Bold, thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, sweet love. God bless you, man of God. Thank you, sir. Anybody else, pray for me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Thank, thank you, sir. Thank you for your honesty. Come on, I'll give you about five seconds. We're going to keep moving. God bless you, sir. I see your hand. Anybody else? It's already been about... God bless you, buddy. God bless you, man of God. Anybody else? About three seconds, two seconds left. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. It's time to get right with the Lord. Amen. Yeah, I see your hand, sweetheart. You can put them down. Now, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He'll cleanse you, He'll forgive you of all unrighteousness. He'll be His in essence. So don't I have to like give to the church or don't I have to like do so many Hail Marys or something? No, not at all. No, just believe. He'll empower you. The power we talked about today. He'll fill you with His Holy Spirit. And so those that lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. It's an it's a connection prayer. It's like if Jesus is my best friend and, and you and I are sitting at Starbucks, I'm going to take your hand and put it in his hand and introduce the two of you. And then I'm going to walk away and let you start your relationship. But I'm going to introduce you today through a prayer. In fact, I'd like everybody in the audience to pray this out loud with the 10 or so that lifted their hands. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. Now say it out loud. Jesus, today I surrender. I don't want to run anymore. My life is yours. I give you every bit of me. I declare Jesus is my Lord. I accept your forgiveness. Forgiveness for my sin. Lord, I accept your forgiveness for the things I've done. What I've become. Here and now, cleanse me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life because I'm yours in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand. Lord, I pray that they would sense forgiveness right now. Lord, they don't have to perform for it. You performed on a cross 2,000 years ago. The blood was shed. The penalty was paid. They don't have to be imprisoned any longer in sin. They're free. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name they would sense the grace of God. I pray they sense the power of God. Holy Spirit, stir in them like never before. Baptize them afresh. Would you reach over and grab the hand of that person next to you? Everybody in the auditorium, just in in the sanctuary. Father, I pray for every man and woman in this room right now. Would you just ask the Lord to begin to stir the gifts of God inside of you right now? Would you activate those gifts with me through prayer and say, Lord, I want to be used. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy. I want to pray for people and see them healed. I want to help demolish strongholds in people's lives, in my own life, in my family's life. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray in Jesus' name this church will be an active church, a New Testament church. Lord, all I want to do is do what we saw in the New Testament. All I want to live is what I see in the book of Acts. I'm not trying to recreate anything else, but live that. Lord, I don't want to be what the big church down the road is. I don't want to do what they, all the guys are talking about. It's the cool thing, cross the ocean. Lord, I just want to do what we see in the scripture, and we want to live it 
to the best of our ability. Activate these men and women to be men and women of the supernatural. Lord God, activate them right now. May this conflict that seems to stir so much and be so destructive, Lord, may it come to an end in our life. May we become people who overcome and that that conflict will not uh, overcome us and inflict damage on our lives anymore in Jesus' name. Lord, may we be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, it's with that, oh God, that I ask here and now that these men and women will be activated in the power gifts and that each and every one of them will testify in the days, weeks, and months ahead. You're not going to believe this, Pastor. I pray for this guy. I didn't even like this guy. And I started prophesying. I don't even know where it came from. And he began to weep. I began to weep. It was God. He was there. And it broke something. And it changed and shifted the situation at our office. Father, I pray for these things to be commonplace with every man and woman in this church. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen and amen.